today, I want to talk about building community. So you were handed a worship guide when you came in, and I hope that uh, you'll, you'll take one of these and you'll turn to the back. It's a place for you to just uh, make some notes. Hey, uh, just to show you one little thing here, there's a, uh, a little error that we made. Somebody's been asking me, wait a minute, these songs are not matching the ones we sang. Somehow, inadvertently, the ones from last week got back in here, so uh, we don't take credit for this. None of the songs here are the ones we sang today. You probably figured that out. Okay. Uh, but the notes are correct. Building community. Our church is called Christ Isolation Church. And we thought it'd be a great name to name our church Isolationists, that we just wanted to totally live in oblivion, that we didn't want to have anything to do with people. We didn't want to care about people. We didn't want to be loved by people. Wait a minute, that's not right. It's called Christ Community Church. Christ Community. When Don and I started this work 16 years ago, we thought we would launch out into introducing our region to contemporary praise and worship, much of what we were doing in student ministry. Matter of fact, I just saw one of my students walk in a minute ago, Raina, so glad to have her in the house. She remembers when I had lots of dark brown hair. <laughs> the rest of you are like, oh, when was that? That must have been another life. It was. Okay. But we're Christ Community Church. It means we're trying to build a community of faithful followers of Jesus. And one of the ways we do that, one of the greatest ways we do that is we assemble. We have corporate celebration, corporate gatherings on the weekends. You're a part of one of those such events. I don't know exactly, but it's somewhere 900 and something services we've done now at Christ Community just on the weekends. Like, wow, 900 and something weekends. That's a lot of weekends. You know what I'm saying? You're saying, hey, that's so tough on me. It is on me. Believe me. When you've given up your Saturdays for 16 years and you've, uh, you know, you're still trying to hear from God and you're getting ready for the people, you know they're coming tomorrow. But one of the other things we do besides celebration is we do small groups. And today, I've just been praying. You're in trouble. I've been praying God would set you up today. I've been praying that God would encourage you in your pursuit Call small groups together. You see it over here, doing life together. And some of you, many of you are already doing that, and I want to say thank you. Some of you still aren't convinced, and today I'm praying that only God could convince your heart to sign up on a back table or to sign on a yellow thing or to say, I, I give. I'm, I'm going to give it the fall semester. If the whole church is doing I too, I'm going to do it too. I just believe when we do life together that it matters. Let me tell you the other night, I went to the hospital. Candace, last Sunday morning, had to go in. I thought they might have a baby, and she hasn't. Praise the Lord, and her fluids are up and down. But I got to the hospital, and I saw the body of Christ was in great crowd when I got there. And she's in that labor delivery suite, so it's quite a big room, and it was quite full of people from Christ Community Church. Somebody asked me, hey, pastor, can we get a basket and pass it? You know, just to take an offering. You know, that's what churches do sometimes. But... It was just neat to see her big smile, to see people that loved her and Steve, and they were praying for her, and they were concerned about her in the church. And because they're actively involved in this church, it's easy to get loved on. So I will say this today. It's not even one of my major points. If you want to receive the best care, the best pastoral care, get plugged in. Get involved. It's just a natural expression of relationships when you get involved with other people. But if you want to have kind of minimal then choose not to serve, choose not to plug in, choose not to be a part of small groups. And it's a little harder for us, and it's a little harder for you, and you'll feel disconnected because you are at some level. I've got to get to this. I've got a lot that I want to say. So let's just, here it is. If you've ever said any of these, you might be ready for a small group. I don't feel like I know anybody at this church. You know, I'm the founding pastor. I've seen thousands of people over the last 16 years. 
we have such a military presence. People come and go, and they're all over the world, and those fun things. But if and, and people that are here have been here for five years, ten years, they're going, man, there's a lot of new people. I, I don't know many of them. Or get in a small group. It's, a, it's hard to get to know somebody just over a donut or five minutes on the weekend or just turn around and say, hey, my name's, you know, whatever, and your name is, and hey, I hope I remember. <laughs> I probably won't. Okay. Secondly, you really feel like you want to grow deeper on your spiritual journey, that's a reason to get involved in a small group because you want to go deep with Christ this year. The third thing, I'm new here and I'm just not sure how to get started. I'm not sure how to plug in. What I would say to you this morning, this is the greatest way to plug in, to, to get sure, is to get involved with other believers, to join a band of brothers and sisters and you just begin to eat their food and share their life with them and they share their life with you. And you walk through because we don't know what's around the corner. Like right now, we've got Isaac, that great storm that's brewing, and the, the people of Cuba have been pounded on, and we're looking with great anticipation what might happen to at the Republican convention, or it might happen to Florida, it might happen in Montgomery, it might happen in the in the coast, it might happen here, it might happen in Birmingham. We don't know what's gonna come. Impending danger, alarm. We know what it is to have hurricanes and tornadoes, though when you live in Montgomery, it's just part of the deal. And yet isn't it great to be a part of a group that you know will be there with you? The fourth thing, I'd like to start serving the community and doing this mission thing, but I'm not sure what mission is. That's the whole focus of the I2 church. So starting September 9th, I'm going to break down what the mission is. The fifth thing, I just have a lot of questions. I have so many questions about the Bible, about faith. I just don't know. This is the greatest place to find it is in small group. You see, on Sunday morning, I'll go, hey, if you got a question over there, fire it off at Pastor Keith. He would love to give you an answer. That'd be total chaos, wouldn't it? Just, hey, you just come and you just ask any question, any time. Just raise your hand, stop me right in the middle of anything I'm doing, and you just break it up. I would quit going to church here. You would quit going to church here. That would just be crazy. But in a small group, you're going through a study with other believers, and you don't understand a passage, or you're struggling in your faith, or you're struggling to have faith. And you've come to trust some people, and you just ask them, could I ask you about that last sentence, that last paragraph, that last chapter? Could I ask you about this thing in Exodus? Could I ask you this in about Leviticus? Could I ask you this about Ephesians 4? Could I ask you this question about Revelation? Could I just ask, ask, ask? Because in a small group, it's a safe place. Just write it somewhere in your notes. A small group is just a safe place. At least that's what we pray they are. That you're not judged, you're accepted, you're valued. It's just a great place to be on this spiritual journey. What's the vision of a healthy church? I would just write down, I'm not going to preach it today. I've done it before. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. The Acts 2 church. They were in fellowship with one another and they broke bread and they shared their faith and they met in home to home and they praised God. They were in awe of who God was. But it didn't stop there. And it goes on in that verse and it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved, that were being transferred from darkness to light in Jesus. Life just began to add up. It just began to measure. Uh, some other things about it just, you devote yourself to the study of Scripture in a small group. You, can, you get committed to a, a fellowship that looks like Christ. You, you get committed to the call of worship upon your life. You begin to, and, and let me say this, I hope you don't miss this, you begin to pray with other people, and people pray for you. You know, I've written a book on prayer, I preach on prayer, prayer is one of my touch tones in my life. It's who I am. Zealous, energetic, passionate, enthusiastic, fervent, prayerful. 
That's what I long to be as a praying man of God. But I long for you to be praying men and women and boys and girls that you have a great faith in Jesus and you begin to love and learn and share and pray one for the other. See, there is power in Jesus. There's power when we pray. How many of you believe there's power when we pray as the body of Christ? Man, I know there's great power. I've witnessed that power in my own life. I've had a physical healing because of this fellowship. I avoided triple fusion neck surgery because of the prayers and the petitions of hundreds in this faith family. And that'll make you want to pray more. I've avoided a lot of other things I'm not even aware of and attacks and other things because people prayed for me and I prayed for them. And we've seen healing. We've seen wholeness. We've seen community develop. But let's move on here. So you pray, you, you, get, you grow, you, you get nurtured, you care for one another. But there's an interesting passage I put at the top of your outline. And this is not a marriage message. I just ran into my little friend that came here when she was a teenager, and she just got married three weeks ago. Congratulations. That's awesome. Met her husband. Actually, I met him a few months ago at her grandfather's funeral. And, but this is not a marriage message, but y'all could use this in marriage too. But I want you to look at this. Look at the top. I want you to read it with me. Would you, would you read across the top of your outline with me? Not building community, the verse, Genesis 2.18. Read this with me. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And all the men said, Amen. I'm like, man, I don't want to be by myself. Like, I have a hard enough time doing stuff now. If I didn't have Donna to take care of me, I'd be a mess. And, and I'm not going to ask you to say amen because I'd be the most enthusiastic amen y'all say all year. But anyway, but I'm looking at you too, and I could just say yeah, amen. I don't even know how you got her, boy. You must have lied to her. Okay, yeah, but here it is. It says here, it is not good for man to be alone. Here, here's a principle. It's not good for us to be alone. We are created for fellowship. We're created to have connection one with the other. To do life with one another. Or the verse could have said, The Lord said, It is good for man to be alone. He will live in isolation all the days of his life, and blessed be the name of the Lord. Huh? Then say that. It says, I made a helper, and it's not good for him to be alone. So I want to drive this principle to you today. It's not good for you to do life by yourself. Matter of fact, I think it's wrong. To do life by yourself. I think it's biblical to do life. I'll prove it from the life of Jesus. I just would write on your note somewhere, we're disconnected. The church is disconnected. The world's disconnected. There's just all kind of craziness. We, we have to, uh, we're tied to our schedules, suburbia. We, we, we drive home. Man, I, I've gotten to be a part of that. I got a garage 19 years ago. I never had a garage till 19 years ago. And I thought, man, it would really be cool. And we actually park our cars in our garage along with lots of tons of other junk around the garage. You know, meaningful stuff that you're not going to take to heaven with you, but it's important to us. But we pull in the garage door, and I watch my neighbors, and they pull in their garages, and their, their garage doors come down ever so quickly. And some come down quicker than others because they're afraid somebody's going to come over and speak to them. Yeah. And that's what suburbia does all across America. Everybody's concerned that somebody might come and get in their business. So you know where I have a lot of conversations? At the hedge by the trash can on the way pushing the trash can to the curb. I meet more of my neighbors and find out more junk by pushing the trash can out. 
used to be, you know, when the kids were little, though, we lived in a cul-de-sac, and it was really awesome. We'd always lived on a main street. We moved in this cul-de-sac, and we had Summer Olympics and skating in our uh, cul-de-sac. They, they did chalk drawings. They rode their bicycles. Moms would get their lawn chairs, and they'd all go up, but they're all grown now. And people have moved, and kids got big, and nobody comes out to play with Pastor Keith anymore. I remember when I, we lived in our last house, I was doing student ministry, and there's two little skinhead little boys. Their dad had left. They were left with a godly mom that loved Jesus and loved them, and a sister. And they came over one day. Never will forget this. I'm doing something important. I don't know what it was. Probably munching or having a snack. Down goes the door. Yeah? Hey, is Keith on? Yeah? Could, could he come out and play? That was awesome. The little boys, I mean, that, that, that was my job was to play with them. And I see them now, and they're grown, and they have kids of their own. And they don't call me anymore. Hey, Pastor Keith, can we go out and play? Isn't that cool? And it's a funny story, but the, the sad thing is, we live in a world now, everybody's too tied up, they're too busy and too fast, and nobody knows anything about each other. You know more about the guy that goes to the Auburn or the Alabama football game with you than you do your neighbor. Isn't that a shame? The person that lives next door to you. You have to choose. Look, I want you to fill this in. Everyone is superficially connected. Fill that in. Everybody's superficially connected. We're all, at some level, we have a lot of surface relationships. And we just connect, but it's not very meaningful. It's just kind of loose and it just kind of flows. So we go through life, we're consumed with stuff. If we're not intentional, relationships never take any depth. Y'all know me, I'm an extrovert. I love people. Man, I love people. I love God. I love being a pastor. I just love you. you. The more people in here, the better I am. If we had 2,000 people in here, I would just be foaming at the mouth. I mean, that's kind of demonic. And I would just, I mean, I'm just thrilled. The more, the better. Now, my sweet wife, and, and, and let me tell you what she does. I, I'm going to go right here, and I'm going to work the crowd the best I can. I walk in zones, and I'm testing the spirit's temperature, and I want to see what's going on. I want to speak to you, and I learn lots of stuff. But Donna's probably going to have a couple of meaningful relationships and talks with people on Sunday morning. I'm going to talk to maybe dozens and dozens, maybe even hundreds. And the thing is, she's going to know more because she's wired a little different. Didn't make her right, didn't make me wrong. We're just different. But there is beauty in what she does. She's able, she's a lot, she's a lot better than me. She can go a lot deeper with people a lot quicker than I can. I tend to be up here, you know, and then I go down there and up here. Some of you are like, well, hey, just be me. I don't even speak to anybody, man. I just come in like, hey, I'm sitting in that chair right there. If you know, I'm going to kick your butt and move you out of the way. Okay, that's my chair. Well, sorry. We'll, we'll move your chair next weekend. Okay, but I'm up here on the stage because you're in timeout. Maybe you need to sit with me. I don't know. But that'd be scary. I'd just say, what's that chair doing over the pastor? They're in timeout. They were bad last week. That'd be a great way to shrink a church. Okay, here we go. Uh, I want to show you a thing about me, myself, and I. This guy named uh, Brian Regan, a comic, he, he did this thing. It's just kind of funny. I know you're, you're saying, man, we're in church. I know, just relax. Just see if it's as funny as I think it is. Wouldn't you love to be in a small group with him? It was fun. I didn't know who was laughing louder, you or the people on the video. Do you know some people like that? They always want to one-up you. They always got a better story than yours. They're more concerned about me than you. My prayer is that you'll find a small group that they'd share their life because that's important. 
but they'd be just as concerned or more concerned about your life than they are their own. Just a fun way to communicate that small groups are really about acceptance and valuing other people, affirming them made in the image of God, valuing them that you want to see them make steps and progress in their spiritual life. And one way they can do that is through question and answer and worship and prayer and doing small group. In Matthew chapter 26, 36, 37, and 38 verses, I don't have time to go there, but what I'd say this, Jesus is there in the Garden of Gethsemane in that moment of anguish and deep prayer. He has a band of brothers, some guys, and he invites them to, to go in with him. And his soul is anguished. He's sorrowful. He's, he's pained. But he had some close friends, and he invites him to go in and keep watching to pray with him, pray for him. And you know, they, they just go to sleep. Well, you know, if Jesus, the Son of glory, the Son of man, knew or had a model that he expressed to us, that he showed fellowship, and he wanted to have others with him, how much more do we need one another than Jesus? We need Jesus more than we need breath. We need one another because it's the model of Jesus. And he just models it right there in the gospel. He's, he's got these guys who are like, well, couldn't he have found some better friends? <laughs> Uh, probably, but he chose them. But before I get critical of them, what kind of friend am I with Jesus? What kind of friend of you? I want you to fill in this next blank quickly. The church has more crowded loneliness than ever before. So you can be in a crowd, you can be in a room like this, and you can be all alone. You're like, well, how, do you, how are you alone with a couple hundred people? I mean, how do you, how do you just find yourself alone? Well, you just can be because you choose not to invest or to be invested in, or you're just not a part of anybody's life, you're just trying to do it your own. A, a pastor writer, Randy Frazee, he, he, he coined this phrase, crowded loneliness, and he goes, the average American family manages 35 separate relationships on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, you can count them more and go, hey, he was wrong, I got 18. Somebody says, hey, I got 42, I don't know. He says, 35 separate relationships on a day-to-day -day basis. Children, extended family, neighbors, government, school, friends, work, Starbucks, employees, landlords, and telemarketers. But then a family gets invited to church, and it at least ups six more people. That There's some more people that you begin to interact and do life at some level with, but yet you can feel alone. And there, I think what I'm trying to say today is there's this need for our soul to be in relationship with other people. I believe it's a desperate need. And somehow, some of you have pushed that away. You, you've hidden from that. You, you just won't choose to be authentic. But, I, you know, some of you today are going to choose to, you know what? You're pretty passionate about this. You believe in this. At one time, a few years ago, Don and I led five small groups between the two of us. That's a pastor that doesn't just preach about small groups. That's a pastor. It's a practitioner. Now we lead two or three groups. And we, you know, that was a little, that was a little crazy for our schedule. But what I'm saying is some of you need to be leaders. You need to step up and be small group leaders. You've been fed long enough. It's time for you to lead. Other ones need to join. Some of you need to just get on the bus. I mean, we're just asking you to invest in others and have meaningful conversation and, and to grow spiritually. Fill in this next blank here. People need to connect relationally. That's my prayer. I'm just begging you to be the body of Jesus and to just connect with other people because we're more when we're together. And there are gifts in this room that'll never be celebrated. They'll never be unleashed as long as we stay to ourselves and stay isolated. And I know some of you, you, you man, you have a hard time even thinking about this. You want to take medicine right now? Just think, oh, man, I like you, but man, you're... 
I got to be with people? Yeah, maybe a few. I mean, I'm, I'm glad everybody's not like me. And you're like, amen, me too. I'm glad everybody's not like you. Amen. I like it when we're all who we're supposed to be. But part of that's doing life with others. And we connect and we do life together. And it's a foundational core value here at Christ Community. We engage at a deeper level. Small groups is how we do that. In Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, if you want to turn over there, it's, it's an amazing story about Jesus healing a paralyzed man, a paralytic. And here's what he says. He goes, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors, there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because the crowd was too massive. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. They lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. You know what this story tells me? There was a group. And Jesus, the Bible doesn't say Jesus was touched by this man's faith. He was touched by the faith of the group. A group of men that believed that Jesus could do what he said he could do. And what they had witnessed. And they were astonished and they were stunned. And this group's faith moves Jesus. And all I'm saying is, for some of you, your faith is weak. You need to join a band of others. And their faith might help you get the breakthrough you're longing for. They've got more faith. They, they begin to raise the level of faith. Uh, Jesus shows us here about a group faith, how important. And I just wrote in here, write it in. God acts on behalf of one because of the faith as a group. He acts for the one. He acts for you and for me on behalf of a group many times. So are you a part of a group? And as I was studying, I, I just... I just wrote this thought. I thought it was kingdom. Jesus saw their faith, what had impacted a group, that faith. Do you ever underestimate the faith of a group or a church? And then I wrote this. Lord, raise the level of faith in this place. Lord Jesus, would you raise up the level of faith of the people that I speak to on a weekend and week out basis? Would you raise a people of faith in groups, band together that believe you for more, Lord Jesus. You see, if we really believe this scripture and our group's faith increases and it gets greater and we begin to believe God for more, we can't even imagine what God would do. But you're saying, well, I'm not going to be a part of a group. So this semester, if you're not going to be a part of a group, would you read the Gospels? Would you see if Jesus talks to you about being in community, being in small groups? I think you'll see that. The next thought is this, the theology of authentic community. I think it's the theology of the gospel. A deep longing for more. Genesis 2.18, it's not good that man should be alone. God invites you and I into divine community through the fellowship of the blessed trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is a community of three that's one. And he invites us to partner, to participate with him. In Genesis, they were there. It was Adam and it was Eve. And they ate of the forbidden fruit. And then suddenly they were aware and there was shame and guilt crept in because of sin. And they were separated from God. There was a loss of fellowship. 
And after that point, man, there was just tranquility and everything was perfect. And now all of a sudden, they're, they're afraid. They realize that, hey, we're naked. We, we don't have clothes on. Something, something's, something's not right here. I'm like, well, who, who told you you were naked? And then what does God do? Then they, they go and they try to hide behind fig leaves. That's, that's what I would do, right? Isn't that what you would do? Go hide behind some fig leaves? Well, you know, I guess that's all they had, right? And yet later it says that God gave them the skins of animals. It was a, an adequate covering for the people. If you dig a little deeper with that, it was a foreshadowing of Jesus. God took something that was alive and it gave its life up, that it gave a skin to cover people from their shame and guilt. God gave his one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, perfect, laid it down voluntarily that we could live. And, and then that Jesus, his blood that we sing about, there's power in the blood of Jesus. He takes that blood and he covers us. And now we become acceptable. We become adequate to God. That is good news, church. Is that good news, church? God covers us by the precious blood of the Lamb. And that atonement, that covering is enough. No, that covering is more than enough. He calls us to be his community. And I'd write in your notes today, I just love this thought. God calls us to be the community of the redeemed. We're the redeemed community of God when we're in fellowship with him. That's a blessed community. He's like, well, I'm a community of this football team. I'm a community of the professional CPAs. I'm a community of the trial association. I'm a community. Hey, those are all great communities. I'm in some preacher communities. You know, like, you know some of them are good. Some of them are kind of lame. You know, I just go ahead and tell you like it is. But the community of the redeemed there's nothing lame about the community of the redeemed. It's life-changing. It's powerful. It's the gospel. Then I'll move on here. There's, there's fear, though, here. L look at this blank. Fill it in. We were wired for relationships. God just wired you and me for a relationship. It's the way we're made. You were made to, to know others. You were made to be known. We think we know ourselves well. We know ourselves pretty well. But here's a thought that came to me this week. Other people know us pretty well, too. Now, I'm not going to do this this morning. I'm not going to get quite that transparent. And I'm a pretty transparent pastor, but just not going to choose to do it right now in front of you today. But I could. This would be an interesting exercise for us to do in small groups sometime. Get your koinia, your fellowship, going. Get it going about six months, six years or something. And then say, hey, next week, got a special treat. Jesus coming? Paul? No. It's going to be special though. Get in your group and ask your group, hey, y'all know me and I know you, but I want to unarm myself today. I want to know, I want to know my blind spots. Y'all know them pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you got them. <laughs> we know them. This morning, if I just ask people to come up here and talk about my blind spots, I probably wouldn't have a shortage of witnesses. Oh, pastor, we don't have time. We'd have to stay here to Jesus because we talk about your shortcomings. Probably would. You know my blind spots. But if you get in community with others, they know your blind spots too. And maybe they can help us, and maybe they can help you. Maybe they can help me to, to go and be more for Jesus. 
Um, uh, interesting here, I, I, as I was doing study, I, I heard this before, but I like this. You're three times more likely to die at a younger age if you stay in isolation, scientists say. You're three times more likely to die at a younger age if you die in isolation. So here's the next thought. It's better to eat a Twinkie with a friend than it is to eat broccoli alone. Just a thought. Just thinking. I was trying to justify my sin there, okay? Here's the point. It really is. We're made for touch. We're made to share our hearts with each other. And I'm just praying today, God's going to get a hold of some of you, or all of us, and all of me, and say, I want to be a part of community. Let me give you a verse here. It's uh, Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. If you want to be wise, walk with other Christ followers in the counsel of God. Do life with them. Walk with them in the morning, the noon, the nighttime, but just walk and do life. It's why we have a student ministry. It's for teenagers to come and to find strength one with the other. And as they do life together and they have wisdom, the wisdom of God flowing through them, through their leaders and through one another, it's just beautiful. But you get a bunch of fools together, not good. Here's another one. Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. See, real friends will care about you. They'll, they'll speak the truth to you. Man, I, you know, I've got some real friends. Do you have real friends? So, oh, well, no, I'd like to be your real friend. I'd like to tell you exactly what I think about you. Oh, boy, you're doing that in the love of Jesus. I just feel it right now. I can't wait to be received. You, you can imagine being a... You can't imagine. You don't, have, you don't do what I do. I don't do what you do. I, I don't know what your life's like. I can just tell you I have more barbs that come at me than I ever imagined. I can be pretty insecure. Although I'm gregarious and I'm an extrovert and I love God and I have passion, but I've had so many barbs thrown at me, and it'll, it'll deflate you. I'm just being real. See, pastors, we, we're supposed to be superhuman. He's faster than a speed bullet. He walks on water. He raises the dead. Yeah, whatever. I want to. I went to Batman last night. I wish I had some of his qualities. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't know what that has to do with the gospel, nothing. Let's let move back to it. Here you go. Here's what I'm saying to you. Confessions of a pastor. Sometimes it's unreal what I walk in. Like, man, you expect perfection. You expect my messages to be perfect. Okay? You expect me to do everything perfect. Okay, you can have an expectation. Boy, I've been failing you good. And all the church said, amen. No, don't, don't answer that, Okay? We just want to get in community. We just want to do life together. Do, do I have anybody listening today? Is anybody listening? Is it speaking to anybody besides me? Because I'm really just getting out of there like, man, you just got to let that fly there today, ain't you, brother? I, I love encouragement. I love to give encouragement. I love to receive encouragement. How many of you like that group? Hey, show me in that group. I'm going to be in that group. That's an awesome group. When them missiles start flying, I'm leaving. Well, if they come in love, it's a blessed thing. Proverbs 27, 17, write it down. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. As we sharpen each other, we, we get greater, we get more. What does it take? Bold truth, authentic life, uh, moving forward, evaluating with truth. Truth with grace leads to life change. That's what I pray today, that we just get more of Jesus and more of the truth of God in us, and it leads us to be changed into the presence of the living God. 
going missional here. I want you to look down here at this thing real quickly with me. Small groups, what do they need to do? I want you to fill these blanks in. They need to, they need to care. They need to engage each other with truth. They need to seek God together. They need to come into a habit of praying for one another, and they need to celebrate life. I was just thinking about these words. That's what small groups really need to do. They just need to have lots of care and lots of unconditional love. They need to engage each other with, with the truth of the gospel because the gospel saves and the gospel changes. And then they just need to seek God, not the world. We can do that on our own, seeking God together. And then they just need to pray and be a house of prayer and small groups of prayer. And then I like the last one. They need to be celebratory in nature. They just need to celebrate. Y'all, when good things happen, don't you love to have people to tell? Isn't it fun? Is it fun to tell people when great things happen to you? Oh, no, man, I, I just want to go sit in a hole and I'm going to tell myself, but man, you did a great job, man. You're so good. Whatever. You need something more in my message if, 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 if you're on that one. So God, help us be more. Help us move out. And then I want you to look at the last diagram. I can preach on this for hours, and I won't. It's just in my heart. I've just been praying, Lord, just, just convince me. Convince our church that we want to raise our level of faith this year. We want to do small groups like we've never done them before. We want to get everybody plugged in, everybody involved. Look at this little grid. Love, learn, reach, and serve. These are just areas that, these are things that should need to happen in group life. And, and, and as you look at it here, look at this whole uh, love thing. You know, Jesus speaks there in the gospel, and he begins to say, a new commandment that I give you, that you must love one another. And that's what I hope small groups do. They, they just, they're, the fellowships, they're just where people care. And then you begin to learn. And Jesus there in Matthew, he says, take my yoke upon me and learn from me. Take, take my yoke, learn from me. Learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And then you move into this thing called reaching. All authority have I given you in heaven and on earth, says the Great Commission here, to go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, and then he commands us to, to, to not only do that, but to obey my teaching, all of it. And that's what happens in a small group. We just begin to love, to learn, to reach. And then we go to the last one. We serve. We just begin to serve together. In a few weeks, that's the whole premise of the message that we're going to learn to serve. Out of these small groups, we pray that we become a mighty fortress to our God in missional efforts. That we just serve with, with great passion together. Church life you know, I, I wrote this here. One of our core values at Christ Community, loving relationships, will we love each other? You and I determine that. I can tell you about it all day. I can try to model it to you, but until we all get convinced, you know, what's going to happen? Closeness, community. But, you know, a lot of Christians are isolated. They feel alone. They shouldn't. I mean, the church shouldn't be a place that we come in and we feel like, I don't know any more about you than I know people when I go to the concert. You know, just a bunch of people. God, could you do something here today supernaturally? Could you come to this meeting, God? Could you melt us and create a sense of community? A need for community? God, I don't have anything else to give them. I just believe we're supposed to be a great church for a great God. And a great church loves one another deeply.
as we abide in Christ and we become the body of Christ. I'll go back to that story. Walk into Candace's room. Both elders and their wives are there and children. And here come the Harpers and here come other people and they're just all gathering around Candace's bed. I said, that's the body of Christ. I long for that for every one of you. Not to be in the hospital, but to be in deep fellowship with others. Will you choose to do that today? Will you sign up at the back table? Will you fill out a connection card? Will you tell people, you know what? I got to do that. I think it's the gospel because the church, write this last thought down. The church is God's new community. This is God's new community. The bride of Christ, the bride is new. And we're created for fellowship with him and him with us. Lord, come today. Make us distinctive. Make us like you. God, shape our life. Spur us on to godliness this year in Christ. God, I I don't want to be like I was last year. There's too much sin. Jesus, I want to be more like you this year. I want to have your heart. I want to get to know my neighbor. I want to create opportunities. I I don't know what it is. I I just believe today that there's a lot of passion in in this message, but Jesus just wants more. So, I know if you cared about this message today, it'd be real easy. There'll be an overwhelming response. Here's my last challenge. Just respond today. I want every one of you to get in community with other believers. I just think the church will have its greatest day when we do that. When we get to heaven, guess what? We get to join all those before us in the great chorus, in the anthems of worship and praise to our eternal king forever. Raina, all those thousands of teenagers that came through our youth group, all those that are in Christ, that were truly in Christ, they'll be there with us. And their wives and their husbands and their kids and all those people that have come through Christ community, all those military and those non-military and those young and those middle-aged and those old, all those that are in Christ, they'll all be there in that great chorus of worship. I don't want you to miss it. I just don't want you to miss it. It's too important. You can miss everything else, but don't miss Jesus. Here's one way to his heart. Small groups. I'm hungry. It's time to go eat with some people that I love. Amen? Did you eat today? Did you get challenged today, church? Okay, thinking about it, all right. Well, guess what? We're not coming back with a great song. We're not going to do what we've done the last three or four weeks. You know what? This preacher pretty much is over. I just want you to go eat gospel bird chicken today. I want you to have fun. I want you to sign up. And I just want us to believe God for more. God, increase our faith. Increase our faith as a group until you come again. I long for that day. Jesus, come get your church.